and welcome to You'd Love to See It, the podcast where we watch TV shows and movies and tell you all about them. I am your host, uh, Danielle. I carried a watermelon, Riendo, and I am joined by three of my dear friends and colleagues. I've got LB pining by the matzo meal, hunk tears with me today. Hello, LB. Hi. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to talk about this film. Hell yeah. Me too. I also have Fernanda, Mrs. Schumacher, Prochis. Fernanda, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you. I'm just hoping my uh, nickname today indicates that I am actually the low-key unsung hero of the show. <laughs> Hell yeah. I also have Merit Spaghetti Arms K. How are you, Merit? Good. Just uh, stay out of my personal space, you know? Just uh... <laughs> my dance space this just, is your hey, dance space my personal space just let me keep my personal space okay <laughs> let me tell you about my personal space sorry that's a rick and morty bit i just realized i have to go it's now it's okay it's okay, <laughs> it's okay. I, i'm can i the, the podcast is canceled i ruined the podcast i have to go i'm fired i'm firing myself well <laughs> it was a good run here at you love to see it um but we're gonna take well, it back. I, you know what i've had back. the time of my life on this show that's right. and um <laughs> I owe it all to you. I owe it all to you. Exactly. Uh, In case you haven't figured it out yet, dear listener, we are watching Dirty Dancing today. Well, it's not that we are watching. We watched Dirty Dancing today, and we are talking about it. Best Wrong Pictures presents Dirty Dancing. She thought it would be just another summer vacation. Who's that? Oh, them. They're the dance people. But it turns out to be the time of her life. Watch me now! I can't even do the merengue. He teaches her what she can do. I'm not sure who you are, but I don't want you to have anything to do with those people again. Baby, I don't see you running up to daddy telling him I'm your guy. Well, with my father, it's complicated. I will tell him. I don't believe you, baby. She shows him all he can be. You gotta stop it now. I know what I'm doing, Penny. I'm scared of everything. Most of all, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. What they learn from each other feels too good to be wrong. Here on the podcast, and Dirty Dancing, of course, is a 1987 American romantic drama dance film written by Eleanor Bergstein, produced by Linda Gottlieb, and directed by Emily... Amelie, Amelie Ardolino. It stars Jennifer Amelie. Grey. Ardolino? No. Amelie. Amelie Ardolino. It's like there's French and there's Italian, which I am both. I just don't know how to pronounce anything French. It's a problem in my Isn't life. Isn't this guy Italian? That's that's what I'm saying. Amelie is oh, a I think it's French... Emile. I think it's Emile Ardolino. Ardolino. Not Emily. Amelie. Yeah, Amelie is a... Uh... Amelie but is... that is an the, Italian name. It's the tiny girl who... She, Emily. She Emily is also the name of the only Italian Jewish person I've ever known in my entire life. Really? Wow. Yeah, the most powerful combination. That's incredible and wonderful, and that's really good. All right, um, Queen. She was I'm very. Sorry old. That, I'm sorry that I have gotten so stuck on a name I should have gotten easily because Emily is, of course, a different name from the one I said. But anyway, in this movie, it stars Jennifer Grey, who was very young at the time. It stars Jennifer Grey as Frances baby houseman a young woman who falls in love with dance instructor johnny castle patrick swayze because of course this is swayze month at a holiday resort so in our first section the first scene the first general area here we talk about 
how we know the movie, how well we know the movie, and what our experience is with Dirty Dancing. I'm going to start with LB. LB, what is your experience with Dirty Dancing? I saw this once when I was 11 and I fucking hated it. (laughs) I hated this movie. It made me, like, I don't think I saw the whole thing. I saw it and I just, it made me furious. And I could not articulate why at the time. And I know, I know now. And I'm very excited to get into it now. I watched mm-hmm. it again last night. This is a rich text. Yes. There's a lot happening in this film. Yes. Um, I'm very, uh, what a great 420 watch <laughs> for me. <laughs> Good. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, uh, 1.30 in the morning, instead of going to bed, I was go- frantically Googling the politics of dirty dancing, hoping to find like, you know, the the most dense leftist uh, weird reading of this movie I possibly oh, could. Good. I found yeah. nothing. Uh, I found a USA Today article. <laughs> which is <laughs> opposite of that. But I'm excited to talk about this movie. Oh, good. I, I'm excited to get into it uh, with you as well. I'm very, very pumped. Fernanda, how about you? What is your history with Dirty Dancing? Well, Dirty Dancing is one of those movies that just, again, was on Brazilian television a lot. I think <laughs> yeah. Brazilian TV likes Patrick Swayze. Like, this oh, is, doesn't. And, and I mean, good on Brazilian television. We're not, we're, we have some problems, some issues. This is one of the good aspects. And uh, fun fact <laughs> in Portuguese, it's called Dirty Dancing, Hitchimu Kenchi, which translates to hot rhythm. Um, oh. For those of you who were interested in your Portuguese lessons today. And I kind of saw uh, like bits and pieces of it for my entire life and did not see the appeal of it, obviously, because I was a literal child. And then I watched it again as a teenager. And I found that uh, Patrick Swayze dancing did something to my hormones. Um, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. at 31, rewatching it yesterday, I found that Patrick Swayze dancing still does uh, something to yes. my hormones. Um, several things. Um it was an interesting yeah. night of sleep for me. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's my story with Dirty Dancing. I'm curious to uh, get LB's yeah. read on it because I am I'm in love with this movie. I think it's amazing, even though it's like the <laughs> widest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, is, that is absolutely the case about this movie, for sure. Um, but... Uh, before we get too far into that, Merritt, I want to I want to know about your history with this dirty dancing business. Yeah, so this I'm like fairly certain the first time I saw this movie was at my grandmother's cottage when I was a kid. Like oh my because God. you know we would like rent VHS tapes to take up with yeah. us um, to like to watch on you know because there's no like TV or anything up there. So like when you weren't outside, it was just basically movies. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. pretty sure this was one of them. And I think like um, Strictly Strictly Ballroom. Is that? Sure. That yeah. was like another one. That's a movie. That's um, a movie. I don't know yep. why we watch so many movies about dancing. Um, because that's <laughs> the best way to spend your I, childhood. Yeah. Like. I, I think I like, I don't remember if I, I was very young. So like, I don't remember if I actually like understood a lot of what was happening. Sure. Um, so this is the first time I'd seen it in like a long time. And, um, man, I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> yeah? I fucking oh, this loathe is, this movie. It's we like have a whole range. I so fucking it. insipid. Um, but I did come away with a few questions. Like, A, is Titanic just dirty dancing on a boat? 
and me (laughs) is Dirty Dancing, just Roadhouse for girls. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. And the answer is yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Um, I will briefly touch on my history with the film, which is of all the Swayze's we've seen, which I'm very familiar with all of them and seen all of them multiple times. This is the one I've seen the most. Um, The actual genuine straightest thing about me and my life is that my mom, (laughs) my sister and I watch this movie every July, like from me being like a mid teenager all the way until, you know, Anytime I'm there during any summer month, we watch this movie. So we can basically quote almost the whole thing. My mom will commonly be like cooking dinner and just randomly quote from either this or Christmas vacation and just start laughing randomly. So that's all you need to know about my mother. She just will randomly be like walking around or making dinner and be like, I know these people, baby. They're rich and they're mean. (laughs) And like that will be what my mom does. So... I have watched it so many times that it is part of the fabric of my upbringing, I suppose, in my life and my teenage years. Um, I like this movie, but I do think it's insipid. Oh, it's (laughs) absolutely insipid. Yeah, like, I don't disagree. It is, like, a weird, fucked-up confection, and it has a lot of issues. Uh, But I I do like it. Maybe also because it reminds me so much of hanging out with my mom and my sister who are, you know, straight women that I adore. So that is like part, part of it. Um, okay. So this is, that was our history with the movie. Let's, let's get into it. This is basically a coming of age movie about, uh, you know, an 18 year old or she's 17. She's yeah. She's okay. She's 17. So she's about to start. She's going to Mount Holyoke in the fall, which is very funny. That's good. If you don't know, Mount Holyoke is like, a, uh, at least at the time, I'm not sure if it still is, but it was a women's college, like a very left-leaning women's college in Western Massachusetts. I hung out there sometimes when I was in college, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's a lot about this movie that is very um, Northeastern folks. It's very steeped in heritage of like basically Jewish folks from New York. And in the 60s, it does take place in the 60s at one of these kind of Catskills all-inclusive resorts, of which if you go to the Catskills now, you see the rotting remains of these places. Uh, They are not really a thing anymore, but at the time, they were a thing. She goes with her family. She is like a very politically, um, thinks of her, she's very naive, but she thinks of herself as like a very politically active young woman. She wants to change the world. She's going to go to college. She's going to go and be, like, awesome and against the war. She wants to join the Peace Corps. She wants to join the Peace Corps. And she kind of grows up over the course of this three weeks, supposedly. The time frame of the movie. The time frame of the movie is one of the things that, like, Cinema Sins would have a ball with. I don't give a shit. It's just, like, a little bit funny. Um, But, yeah, she goes. She goes with her family. She has a mother and a sister and a dad. She is daddy's little girl. And she grows up. You know, she grows up. She learns how to dance dirtily with a beautiful man and she grows up and uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting politics in this movie. LB, I want you to, I want you to educate us a little bit about the politics of this movie. Cause I kind of can't figure out what they are sometimes other than perhaps a very wealthy white woman wrote this movie. And this is very much, this was actually very much based on the screenwriters um, coming of age years herself she kind of based some of these things in reality so that's the only place i can sort of begin to connect the politics of this movie but please 
I, I do I want to hear a bit sure. about your research. I hated this movie when I was 11 sure. because yeah. one, I didn't understand some of the jokes, like the, like the really, like I hadn't encountered these people yet. Um, or if I had, I didn't make, nobody had tried to get me to read the fountainhead yet. So moment in all of our yeah. lives when the <laughs> yeah. first like, person tries to get us to read and Ayn Rand, I feel like even in Brazil, it's, it's kind of a, 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 a transitional, a rite of passage. Yeah. Your first creep who hands you the fountainhead. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but like, okay. If somebody were to ask me, like, Obi, you like, what is, can you just explain to me, like, American liberalisms, but specifically, like, bourgeois, Ashkenazic Jewish yeah. American liberalism? Is there, like, a manifesto for that? And I would say, yes. It's the it is uh, the movie Dirty Dancing from 1987. Um, like this is I hated it because I was like I believed all of it when I was 11, and I'm watching this. I'm like, this isn't right. This is so corny. It shouldn't be this corny. I don't like this. This is making me very uncomfortable. And it's because like no, it's fucking cringe because it's it's stupid. It's so stupid. It's like like the perfect marriage of this of like this this perfect boomer fantasy that you can save the cat skills and uplift the poor just by having a socially conscious enough pussy. Like it is amazing. I love romance. I love romance novels. I love like the genre of romance because I think uh, women's fantasies are something that like, yeah, we are seeing more and more of them like in media because, but like for so long fiction has been very male fantasy dominated and like the way storytelling works has been. So I don't know. I, I love romance. And this is like, this is such a insane, mm-hmm. indulgent, potent fantasy that mm-hmm. like you can do this. You can learn how to be sexy and good at dancing in a week, yep. <laughs> two weeks yeah. and save everyone. I feel yeah. like you're be- this this being here today is a mistake for my personal development because, like, I I, <laughs> I feel like you are ruining this for me a lot. No, um, but like in a, no. in a good way because I just you're absolutely right. I just think that I get so caught up in the romantic fantasy of it that it has blinded me to the rest of it. And I am a little, just a little bit ashamed, not entirely now. No, don't be, <laughs> because it's like, it's juicy. And it's, I mean, it, the thing is, it's like, this is no, if you get, uh, the thing about romance and like the romance fantasy and the fantasy in, you need to put aside shame, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, like, yeah. like it's, should you feel ashamed when you watch like, you know, any like rags to riches movie and you watch somebody go on a shopping spree and it goes, ooh, and like that good feeling. Uh-huh. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's it's like the same, it's it's just like a different version of like the super self-indulgent fantasy. And it's this one woman's very, very, very specific. This <laughs> one rich this one rich Jewish girl who became the teenage mambo queen um <laughs> this is that was her real life she actually did that um this is yeah. her very specific fantasy yeah. of what could because that there's no way this is what happened for her there's this is not she did not i mean if she did like you know good on her mazel tov but like 
<laughs> yeah, I I don't know. The part of it is, and there's a lot of yeah. So I'm the like I'm the I don't want to talk too much, and I don't want to like. But this is such a Jewish movie. In ways that are like, and it's such a, like, it's such a, like, incredibly specific Jewish movie that I'm like, well, I don't really get this because, you know, my dad's from Long Island and he's a little bit older and my family were more assimilationist, so they didn't go to the Catskills and, you know, they weren't right in, quite in the, you know, income bracket to do such and such a thing. But it's like, like that, it's that level. It's like, this is so, like, my family of like upper middle class democratic, like Democrat Jews. Yeah. In yeah which I, I feel like is <laughs> important. It's really important context because this movie, you could watch it without that context, but you'd be missing every single thing about it. That's not just the dancing right. and the, and the like, maybe that's why I about- like it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why it's that. I think, I think that context makes it hit too close to home. So you need to think about it more critically. Also, like I, I am, you know, I watch this as like a, like a little, you know, like wannabe activist kid. Like it was like, it hit way too close to home. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready for this when I was 11. That's an element. Like, I, I wanted to go save the whales and shit. Like I wasn't, yeah. I did not want it. Like this wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I was not okay. I was okay. Baby's, baby's vision for the world was maybe not wildly far off of yours at 11, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And like, did I think that if I just became sexy enough, I could save the whales? I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Because like, that's also a big, such a big part of this is this like, again, this is very boomer idea that if you, that like, Social action and self-actualization go hand in hand Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and can all just kind of be one thing. It's very satisfying. It's very yummy and very juicy. And they all have a big social justice dance at the end. Yep. Okay. Sorry. I'm talking way too much. Let's let's go. No, 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 please. This is, this is incredibly important context and very, very, very fun to hear. uh, Honestly about the movie that I grew up watching with my mom and sister. And it made me feel like my, pa- I, I, I'm, I, I'm terrified. I'm terrified yeah. <laughs> to ask my parents about this movie. I feel like they would pop off and get very upset. So, sure. 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 Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. And there is, I, I mean, there's a lot going on here, but merit, I want to give merit a chance. As yes. Well. Please merit. I, I do want to hear your, your perspective. Yeah. On, uh, what's so going on here. I think like part of it is just watching this movie now. I could see how people in the eighties would see this and be like, holy fuck, this is the fucking greatest thing I've ever seen. Like I'm going to go right back into the theater and watch it again. Um, Watching it now to me, it's so transparently about this weird nostalgia for the sixties and like the death of American innocence, because like the movie opens with her being like, Oh, that was before JFK was, was shot. Mm -hmm. And like the seventies were this decade of just like for a lot of people in the States of just like, oh, everything is shitty. Like, everything is really shitty and horrible. Um, There's actually, I think, a lot of parallels between the 70s and, like, the last decade or so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, the way that it lines up the, like, loss of American innocence with, like, this girl's, like, the the loss of her virginity and stuff is just, like, it's just so weird. And, like, (laughs) it's, like, I don't know. I 60s nostalgia stuff always just really, like, weirds me out and just, is like I think also too like so much of this movie has become 
it's a victim of its own success, right? Yes. Because yeah. even in addition to just like the obvious scenes and obvious lines that have been parodied, just the whole conceit of like going to the mountain where uh, Wayne Knight is on the PA all the time telling you like, <laughs> There's an Always Sunny episode. It's about skiing, not dancing, but it's like basically the same concept. Um, I think just like, you know, it, it can't possibly hit in the same way that I did for people in the 80s who were experiencing this like without like fresh, like without the yeah. lens of like irony and like sort of all of the layers of parody and everything that go along with it. Um I don't know. I will say it was a pretty good cast, uh, pretty good cast. Like oh, yeah. uh, Wayne Knight, who was yes. unknown at the time, is in this movie. Uh, I wish he was in more of it because he's very fun. Yeah. But this was this was pre Seinfeld, so like he wasn't. Yeah. No one knew who he was. Uh, Jerry Orbach yeah. is in this yes! movie. Jerry Orbach is the dad, of course. Uh, very fun. Emily um, Gilmore. Yeah, Carol Bishop. Oh yeah. Uh is is the mom. She's the yeah, the she's uh, Emily Gilmore from Gilmore Girls. Jack Weston is Max and um listeners of the show may remember that he was in the Thomas Crown affair. Oh my god, yes. Uh he was yes, a big yes. uh TV guy from the 60s yeah. and uh 50s I think and he plays Max. And uh that's a lot of fun. Um also uh Robbie the like the total creepazoid. Robbie the creep. Yeah. Uh, is played by a guy named uh, Michael Cantor. He died really and, young. Uh, he died really young. He died at 32 uh, of a heroin overdose. Oh, no. Um, he was a journalist as well as an actor and um, lived in New York and was writing for The Village Voice and uh, doing research on, like, ibocaine as a cure for heroin addiction. So kind uh, of interesting. But, um, yeah, big, cool cast. Um let me see. Did I miss anyone? I feel like those are most of like the big names. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I I think to me that's what it is. It's a victim of its own success. Is like it's just the peak of eighties movie tropes, yeah. uh, like the flashback framing, the going to the mountain, the sexual awakening, the like the the class boundary crossing, training um, montage. Training mm-hmm. montage. Oh my god, yes. They do have a training montage. That's right. Uh also the plot of this movie is like completely insane. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. like, it is, absolutely. Not like okay, because I don't I didn't remember any of the details of the plot. Because I was like, okay, I know what dirty dancing is about. They, they, go, they go to the place and then she falls in love with Patrick Swayze. That's what the movie is about. <laughs> uh no, it's about how Patrick Swayze's friend, childhood sweetheart, uh is Penny. Yeah. gets pregnant yeah, and- by this total creep and needs to get an abortion. And then, so she's like, oh yeah, I'll ask my dad for the $250. And she, he gives it to her. And then you're like, oh, that's like sort of what brings them together. And then they start dancing. No, um, then there's another problem, which is that they can only do an abortion this one day and it's the day of the big dance. So then she has to learn his partner's dance moves, which is like, what are you what are you talking about? What didn't need to do this? This is deranged. <laughs> um, but so that's the pretense for like why she's like training with him and stuff. And then they fall in love through the course of doing that. But it's just like I forgot about the whole abortion subplot. Yeah. It's it's like the inciting incident of the movie. It's yeah. like the 
rising action of the like the whole fucking you know I will say like I will say (laughs) it's pretty wild that at no point in this movie is anyone like you can't get an abortion that baby's got a right to life or whatever like yeah like there's none like that that is not any of the conflict of the movie Mm -hmm. there's like no like oh I can't get an abortion blah 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 it's just like no like how do you do it like safely and like is it gonna like you know, affects your ability to have kids in the future. Um, which is pretty wild. Cause I feel like you don't really see that a lot, even in like modern mm-hmm. movies, like if abortion <laughs> is featured at all, yeah, uh, it's always as like a point of conflict. I was watching the, that Netflix show, the movies that made us and they have yeah. an episode on dirty, dirty dancing. And it's basically telling the story of dirty dancing. And just to, uh, further prove your point about the insanity of the story. So Eleanor uh, wrote it loosely based in her life because she was also called Baby and she went to the Catskills and she uh, dirty danced in basements, whatever the fuck that means. And then she, um, they talked about how like first her and the producer, Linda, they took the script and MGM loved it. The A guy on MGM loved it and was going to make it. But then he got fired like the next day and oh she had to shop around to like sell the script. And so many people turned it down and you look at it like, oh, my God, they turned like they must be feeling so bad because they turned out this mega hit. And and then you look at the story, and like, of course, they fucking turned it down. It's <laughs> insane. Why would they like it? Uh So, you know, and, and looking at the whole product uh, made I like I said I love it and you can absolutely understand the appeal and then you break it down and it's just so freaking weird uh and Eleanor talks about sort of the abortion storyline because when the movie was about to come out they got a sponsor that was like a cream that I don't know but it was Clearasil Clearasil yes yeah Uh, it was Clearasil that was gonna sponsor them and then they were like cut the cut the abortion uh and she (laughs) said dude if I cut the abortion like the whole thing falls apart because there is no That's reason for baby to learn how to dance. There is no reason for anything. So I won't do it. And I thought that was very interesting. And watching it in my as a teenager, this really uh, stuck out for me because, for instance, in Brazil, abortion is still illegal everywhere. Like it's not even. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like all over the country, it's absolutely illegal. And as a teenager watching it, like watching the movie talk about it so casually, um, it it was so cool to me, you know, like, yeah. oh, this is like an interesting thing that in my country seems a little alien. So that was my sure. little I'm, tidbit. I, I think it's one of the stronger points for the movie, to be honest, like the yeah. fact that they didn't demonize yeah. uh, Penny because it is such a corny fucking movie, right? Like this is a corny, corny, corny fucking movie. Um, and the fact that like, Yes, I know. It's very much in keeping with, like, the the politics that a lot of the folks uh, in this, like, world would have, for sure. But it is, like, a point in its favor, at the very least. Like, it's like, all right, at least they didn't do that. At least they treated that with without the trope. It's, like, I the mean, very, very, very boring trope. This is this is still, like, extremely chill behavior of these characters. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, this is, like, <laughs> like, yeah. Now, this is, like, this is... Yeah, like Jerry Arbach dad just showing up and being like and being like cool non-judgmental doctor, like giving good medical treatment to yeah. like 
dance teacher at the camp. Yeah, no, he thought that they're like he like they're they're fairly cool family. Like this yeah. is yeah, it's not like it is. That's it wouldn't be cheesy if it didn't hit somehow. Right. You know, right? right. Like yeah, because it does hit, and it's also cheesy, and it's like yeah, yeah. I don't know. I uh, I lo- like this this like th- as absurd as I need to learn how to date. I need to learn how to mambo in a week so that my friend can get my new friend can get an abortion. Um, <laughs> is absurd. It's insane. It's deranged. And it's not even but her like, friend, right? She just met her. So yes, girl, I just I girl I saw crying in the freezer uh, when when the, when history's like second most awful boy was trying to give me like leftover stuffed cabbage, leftover yeah. beef, <laughs> yeah. leftover cabbage rolls rather, like and milk, and milk. Mm-hmm. or we've got sweet gherkins, like it's you want a sweet gherkin? That boy, you got expired that boy, milk, sweet gherkins, that uh, boy. side of beef. Uh, keep forgetting like, that guy in the movie i had absolutely oh. erased him from my memory yeah. like when i rewatched it yesterday i had a few things that i had completely like deleted out of my mind and i think it was one of those things that your brain does to protect you like yeah. it's just like we have no room for this so it was <laughs> that guy <laughs> you already have like too much trivia on past american idol winners to like <laughs> also retain this information um my, it was him my and cousin I, was constantly being like people were tr- all constantly trying to set up my cousin with that boy i was like, <laughs> so blessed i was very obviously a fuck up because nobody ever tried to set me up with that boy but like you my cousin was really good at sports and actually kind of looks a lot like jennifer gray and okay, uh, sure. i was like really like like you know thin athletic and like every all these like not quite related like step third cousins were that boy and my grandpa was always trying to set her up with him which was very weird now that I say that out loud I feel so Um, sorry for her yeah did she end up with one of those uh, just out of curiosity (sighs) I hope not no she uh, her boyfriend is a uh, a mountain from Georgia uh, who loves the witcher okay um, and has they're both personal trainers, and if uh, some and sometimes they'll both hug me, and I feel like I'm being protected by superheroes. Oh, they're so beautiful. Oh. Um, See, that's a yeah. happy ending. There, that's, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. she did the thing. She went with for she went for the goy hunk instead. That's amazing. The, uh, <laughs> for her. <laughs> uh, I yeah. love this journey for her and for us. I also have some today. cousins like I also have some cousins like Neil. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, so you like can just win all awful. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, In the Cousin Olympics, you know. <laughs> the Cousin Olympics, yeah. I've got one great one. I it's feel fine. like that's, I have a, a great one, too. So I feel like we're, like, as a group, we're okay. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I've that had I had. So many cousins. So, okay. yeah, I, I, I feel you. One thing that I had absolutely forgotten, too, not to switch the subjects, but I just don't no, want to forget it, is how much of an asshole Patrick Swayze is for most of the movie. Oh, like yeah. I had because I just because here's the thing, right? Like you have all these very developed views of the movie. And my review is basically I laughed. I cried. I got the tingles in silly places like that's that's the movie for me. <laughs> and a lot of it had to do with like being in love with Patrick Swayze in the movie and then rewatching. So I think hot. that I had forgotten 
how he acts for like most of that. And I wish I I could. I hope my brain protects me once more and erases that from my mind again a week yeah. from now. Uh, Paul, I, Paul, and, Paul, our producer, is saying, <laughs> mentioning that he does absolutely slip in and out of a New York accent. Yeah, accent is yeah, it gets a little silly there, huh? At some points, he's just like, "Hey, you can't, I can't teach you to dance. You don't know, but nothing about dancing." And then he's like, "I can't teach you how to dance, baby." <laughs> Listen, baby, it's, I've had the time of my life, and these arms of mine. Wait, wait a second. These arms of mine is in this movie too. Yeah, it is. It is one of the. Wait, did Roadhouse come out the same year as this movie? Um, two years later. Two years later? It was 89? Yeah. Okay. I was thinking about watching it. I was like, I'm That's sure so this, this is a thing that recently okay. happened in my life. Um. Also, can we, yeah, can we talk about the soundtrack for a bit? Because I think this movie Please. is best known for the soundtrack. Um. One weird thing about the soundtrack in this movie is that it is one of the few places that any black people show up. Um, yeah. There is the, yes. uh, there's Tito Suarez, who is played by Charles Coles. Um, and I'm not saying that as a critique of this movie because it is obviously set in a certain location at a certain place in time, but it's interesting that uh, if you look at all the music that these like you know white teens are listening to, it's the Ronettes, it's yep. uh, the Contours, it's Otis Redding, it's uh, Mickey and Sylvia, Motown um, and Soul, Sherelle, yeah. Solomon Burke, yeah. like all this, <laughs> you know, um, it's sort of the beginnings of rock. Um, and um, a lot of Cuban yep, music, too, Cuban as Paul points yeah. out. Yeah. Um, which is is kind of just interesting as that has is the sort of background of the action in this movie. Also, uh, uh, the uh, the woman who played Lisa wrote that song that she sings. Fucking Hula yes. Hannah or Hula Hannah. Wow. About a about a woman <laughs> who wants everyone to bring her things that don't exist, like birds that swim. <laughs> and uh blue bananas and stuff and um I, it's a beautiful moment she she wrote that song i assumed it was like some weird old like kitsch no she, she wrote that she wrote um, yeah i thought that too also though like a weird thing about the soundtrack of this movie is yeah. that parts of it are period accurate and then parts of it are not. super not like hungry yeah. eyes by eric carmen plays in this movie and like yeah. so it's because some of the movie some of the music is diegetic and then some of it like it doesn't seem to be but so there's a weird mix of like 60s like period hits and then like 80s like synth pop yeah the synth, every time the synth comes in or like that like it just yeah it's very it strange takes, it's also, very very this dark. is a, a little a fact that i found um on the wikipedia article for this movie but so obviously I've had the time of my life, huge hit, um, extremely popular song to this day. Apparently it's the third most popular song played at funerals in the yep. United Kingdom, which oh, to me is just what? further evidence no. of the fact that yeah. people that the UK has, and I'm allowed to say this because I'm from there. I think they have like actual brain problems. <laughs> I think they have real problems because that's a deranged song to play at a funeral. That's I can't. I I don't see now. My brain is just gonna clear everything else to hold this information, and this is gonna be like what I start conversations with for a long time. Also, um, the closing track was supposed to be a Lenny Richel song, 
But uh, Kenny Ortega, who is the choreographer, uh, who's, you know, very, very well-known uh, choreographer, uh, chose Time of My Life. So we have him to thank for the popularity. Genius. In the, thank you, Kenny. In yeah. the movie that's movies that made us thing, they talk because like, so apparently when the Eleanor wrote it, she had very specific songs that she wanted. Um, and the movie was incredibly low budget. It was like four and a half million. <laughs> yeah, it was very yeah. low. Dollars. For yeah. Time. And, and music is expensive. Um, and they were talking about like, and she really put her foot down and the, the they were shooting like all the way until the t- time came, came to like actually shoot the dancing scenes. They still didn't even know if they were going to have the music and they were going to like, uh, thought about shooting it with a metronome, um, which is probably wow. just <laughs> the most interesting uh, vibe in a set that I can imagine. And they talk about the time of my life song. That's the thing, right? Like it's a show, a documentary that's kind of like supposed to make everything sound amazing. So I don't know how much of it is true, but they were talking about like listening like the day before to just a bag of cassette tapes and <laughs> time of my life being like, the last or one of the last that they listened to before going with it for the final scene. Wow. <laughs> some of the, on the subject of sort of the, a little bit of the background in the making of the film, something I found very interesting reading just a tiny bit was about the chemistry between our two leads. They hated so each they other. Apparently, yeah, they apparently hated each other. They had worked on, oh God, Red Dawn. the name Red of the Dawn. Yes, 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 yes. They'd worked on Red Dawn and, uh, Jennifer Grey almost didn't want to do this movie because she's like fucking Patrick Swayze, right? Uh, and apparently they had great chemistry in a, you know, in a tape that they did. Billy Zane was almost yep. in the role of Johnny Castle. <laughs> I could have danced. Hilarious to me. Hilarious to me. Did you get to see him dancing? That. Like, I, I would love to see him dance. There, there was see... a small little oh uh, clip of him in this thing, in the, the movies oh, that made shit. it. And it's like two seconds and it's still enough for you to know that you don't want a full movie of Billy Zane dancing. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, 100%. Billy Zane famously, uh, as Paul is uh, pointing out, of Kingdom Hearts fame, but also also famously of uh, he was a hitman, Billy Zane. Listen to your friend Billy Zane. He's a cool dude. (laughs) It's your buddy. It's your buddy. Um, Well, apparently they also argued on the set here but the producers had to show them the tape of them having amazing chemistry. And that's how they got through it together and, and did the rest and of the made, movie. And they do have, they do have great chemistry. Here. Do it, they? It is. I think I so. I think they have good chemistry. Yeah, I think so too. I believe it. I mean, the thing is she is supposed to be young and awkward. I, mm-hmm. I believed it for whatever it's worth. I believe it when I watched this. He cringe. Oh, I'm not going to say it. Oh, it's okay. Go ahead. LB. He, I, this is a safe space. cringing every time they kiss. <laughs> like he is stealing himself for every time they kiss. Like my notes for this movie were if they're if the, the chemistry between the two of them were as good as like the the gross boys are gross, this would be uh-huh. like an amazing movie. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just agree. Yeah. Their chemistry, like the chemistry, the camera is like the gaze on them is great. The gaze on him is great. Sure. The way she acts is great, but he. 
and he's hot. He's so hot. And like the, when he does like sensitive, vulnerable boy stuff and he opens up and talks about the horrible Mrs. Pressman and like, he's like, oh, I love you. Uh, but like the two of them together, they have nothing for me. Oh, wow. uh, These rich dames, they just want to pay me and then fuck me. And then they just, <laughs> they don't care about me. They just keep putting money they in my pocket. They were using me, and I'm like, no, oh, I, I got, they were I, using you. I don't know what to do with all these rich dames. <laughs> I will have to disagree. I love their chemistry, and I think a lot of it, it has to do with the conflict, like the, finding out that there was conflict. Because apparently, so what I first thought was like, what? What is the origin of the conflict? And apparently, at least what he said in his book. And what people kind of said uh, also in the the movies that made us think is that like she, he's super serious about like the craft and mm. like kind of this macho guy. And she was very sensitive. Like she cried a lot, which relatable, Jennifer, you do you. Mm-hmm. Do not be ashamed of your feelings. Okay. Um, and she cried a lot. She was younger. Uh, I think eight years she younger. She would have been 23. Him. Yeah. And when Dawn. they did Red Dawn. So young. So young. Like yeah. a child. And and that, that like, she would start cracking up. Apparently that scene in which he runs yes. down his fingers through her arm. And she, like, laughs. And he does it, like, three times before he gets it. Apparently it's this was, like, real. Because she was yeah. actually like getting ticklish and it was late and she had ordered a cheese platter, apparently, because she had low blood sugar. Um, so that's kind of where the. <laughs> yeah, she had low blood sugar. It was like an actual outtake that they thought was so cute that yeah. they put it in the movie. Yeah. Because yeah, he actually so was cute. that annoyed. He, annoyed. he looks away so annoyed. It's, it's so believable. It's the best actor he does in the entire movie. And it's because he it was real. So who would have thunk it? Um, she's so cute. But she's Her really cute. So cute. I'm so glad she got a cheese platter. I, was sorry, I, I didn't realize she was Joel Gray's kid. Yeah. This whole time I'm looking, I'm like, oh, you're that's Joel. Like, like that's that's why they got Joel Gray's kid. They needed a real dancer. I'm like, she's what? She's so like not creepy. <laughs> yeah, I know she's so lovable she's very lovable I mean he's wonderful he's amazing he's you know like an icon but like Joel Grey offers me food I'm gonna be worried I'll never be able to leave the forest you know <laughs> fair extremely yeah. fair I love yeah. her in this yeah and she like she won a Dancing with the Stars later I didn't even remember that like that part of yeah, the like narrative. 40 years later yeah. not 40 years later but you know 30 years later oh my god like stop reminding me of how old i am i don't like this i well i think i'm the oldest person on this podcast so it's, okay. <laughs> it's all right it's all right i was i was three when this movie came out to give you context <laughs> of what was going on in my life so young time. too we're all very young it's i was young we're listen i was probably crying a lot you know just like jennifer Gray. <laughs> i was you know three and i was crying a lot i had a lot of emotion i definitely enjoyed going to the mountains though and probably <laughs> playing on the beach so you know i i, you know, I get it you were probably at your most flexible too honestly yes <laughs> i could probably do splits like it was nothing See? you know like it was all good Yeah, I mean, I will be honest. This movie makes me want to take more like dance lessons. Right? I'm not gonna lie. Mm. It makes me want to dance. Now, listen. If that's the aim of the movie, I don't know (laughs) if it is. It is. I don't think it is. It is. But it makes me want to actually go to a place where other people are dancing 
and go and dance and have fun and like feel a little free, which I do think is probably some of the point of the movie is to is to feel like whatever, don't be self-conscious. You know, whether whether you do the lifts or not, it's fine. You're gonna it's gonna be fine. You can you can enjoy the end of season dance um and prove to your partner's father that you're a worthwhile human being by by dancing, using the power and magic of, of dance. You just have to be um, like super bullied by Patrick Swayze for a long time before you prove yourself yeah. to him though. So there's that. In fairness, in fairness, he is he is being a dick. But in fairness, he is not wrong. She is a very <laughs> naive rich girl. <laughs> like yep. she is a naive rich girl who thinks everything is easy and fine yeah. because her daddy has money. So it's kind of like one of those where I don't I don't love that he's being a dick, but I do agree see where with it's what coming he's from. Saying. Yeah. Yeah, I see where it's coming <laughs> from. I get his frustration with that whole aspect. Um a hundred percent. Do we want to move on to blurbs or is there anything else we want to kind of talk about here in the, in the, the meat of the, of the, movie? Uh, they do one thing that I always hate in movies yeah. uh, and TV shows, which is two characters have a conversation about something. And one of them is really mad at the other for something they didn't do, but that character refuses to mm-hmm. point out that they didn't do it for the sake of yeah. drama later on. Yeah. <clears throat> like when Patrick Swayze confronts Jerry Orbach and it's just like, yeah, I love your daughter. And he's just like, oh, you knocked up this girl and now you're going after some other fresh meat. And uh, Patrick Swayze doesn't say, oh, that wasn't me. That was that other guy. He's like, yeah, I guess that I is how you would see me. And just puts on his sunglasses and walks away. It's like, you fucking moron. <laughs> like, maybe <laughs> you have the courage to do part A. You can do part it's B. It's like, I yeah. guess you could argue in that situation, the person wouldn't believe you if you just said you didn't do the thing. But that mm-hmm. always pisses me off. It's just such lazy writing. Um, but then he gets to show up at the end and be like, I'm doing my big dance anyway, even though I didn't steal the wallets and got fired. And also what happens at the end of this movie? Like, do they get together (laughs) or is she just like, okay, well, that was really fun. And I'm glad that I had a sexual awakening. And now I do have to go to college and then join the Peace Corps, probably marry someone who is like not a painter or like whatever. I mean, okay. If she's going to Mount Holyoke, She's not that far away. She's in Western Massachusetts, right? She could have him come up, you know, hang out with her. They can work. I like to believe that, you know, they make it work. That, like, he enjoys being in the woods. There's a lot of woods in Western Mass. And, like, they can move back to upstate New York. That's fine. Because, like, they can can do it. The way that, like, Titanic is kind of similarly structured to this movie, right? Oh, yeah. Flashback about this relationship between, like, an upper-class woman and a younger like a lower class man, but in Titanic, Jack dies. So that kind of really clear, like cleanly ties up that, that whole situation. This movie just ends. Yeah. And like, that's fine. Movies don't have to have like a, uh, and then they went on to open a, uh, lemonade stand and, you know, graduated (laughs) from college or whatever. But like, I don't know. Like, I think if she's going to Mount Holyoke also like, there's a chance that they're like, oh, yeah, we'll stay together. And she goes away and he shows up the first semester break. And she's like, this is my roommate, Claire. Oh, oh, no. oh. You know? Maybe. maybe. Not in 63 or 64. I don't know if it's going to be anyone. It was, it, I mean, yeah, but it's like the vibes at those schools were so pure, like, mm. Like, I went to Smith in 2007, and there were still girls in pearls. Mm. 
that tracks. Yeah, that tracks. You know, like, track. yeah, it's, yeah, it, I mean, I mean, Smith what? did have at that, at, in that era, it did have a Facebook group that was, I'm a carnivorous heterosexual. And yeah. it was like the, the, like, <laughs> the minority at Smith. Yeah. Sure. But like, I'm, yeah, it's, it's possible. But like, best case scenario, because I was thinking about this last night. Best case scenario is she goes to Mount Holyoke. She re- reads some stuff, becomes an actual class trader. Uh-huh. She and what's his name? Is he Johnny? Johnny, Johnny Castle. Castle. She and Johnny yeah. Castle like become actual like. So and she like explains all the ideas to him, and he's like, "Wow." Francis, you're so smart, and this is all so true. I'm going to tell my buddies at the local, at the painters and plasterers local the, yeah. about yeah. <laughs> about these big ideas. And uh, and yeah, and then they become like actual cool guys. But like that's 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 my best. That was my best case for the two of them. I don't know. I, the, the thing about the ending of this movie is it's like. So, okay, what the, what happened, the movie structure, it starts and it's like this very, like, it's this funny but kind of realistic, like, there are these very real moments in it, right? Like, Robbie's a very real character in yeah. it, uh, who's the horrible Harvard dr- doctor waiter who is the one who got Penny pregnant and refused to help her out. And s- for some reason going after, told her dad about it unprompted yeah. in a very weird circumstance. It, yeah. it, well, in the beginning, he's a very realistic character. <laughs> uh, and he's going after Baby's uh, younger sister, Lisa. And he's the one who literally carries a battered paperback of the Fountainhead <laughs> in his pocket at all times. So just in case he has a libertarian emergency, he can hand it to a smart girl like Baby and say, like, this is the, this is the real way the world works. Like, he's very real. There are these things there in this movie that are very real. And as naive and idealistic as it is, like, yeah, there are these, like, snippets that are perfect. At a certain point, it does just shift into this kind of this masturbatory fever dream um, mm-hmm. where that's about being sexy and dancing and everything is going to be okay and everybody is great and fine. And justice prevails, sort of. And the ending of the movie is, like, the it's like the culmination of that it's like this big dance scene where like this 80s like time of my life which is this very 80s synthy song is playing after like the owner of the resort just has this whole spiel like like oh these the end of the cat skills like kids don't want to come here anymore they don't want to do the foxtrot they want to go to europe and protest in the streets uh they didn't doesn't say that part but you know like but it's so there's this in, like implication that be, with this updated 80s music, like it's all okay. And the, right, poor, right. And the staff are dancing Tito, with the like, rich people. He's like, Do you have yeah. sheet music for this? Yeah. And it's like, No, because it doesn't exist yet, bro. Like, <laughs> but it's like this, yeah, it's this fantasy of like, it, it's this very like utopian, uh, like end of like in a like a very classical like comedy uh, or like a Shakespearean comedy like the way it ends with like a big wedding where everything's fine um, and like an opera in a comedic opera it ends with like a big celebration everything's fine and nothing really makes sense like that's the ending of this movie but if you think about it in terms of like reality it's a very sad movie for all the reasons marriage just pointed out yeah uh, and, hey, Max, and also like you know that new sound you're looking for well listen to this. <laughs> 
Oh. <laughs> it's the Thompson plot, twins. Plot twist. <laughs> plot twist. Patrick Swayze is a time traveler and he's brought this music back <laughs> from the 80s. That would be incredible, actually. That's the sequel we I mean, deserve. Yeah, exactly. Truly. But, yeah, it is very much like a snapshot, right? Because they're the whole, because like, like you, like Mary, you said, earlier uh it does open with her saying like this is before jfk gets assassinated this is before the beatles this is before you know the united states officially goes into vietnam like so like the the framing is already there this is like temporary and that this is just like a moment that doesn't last and i think that also really ties into like the weird boomerness and the weird very specific kind of nostalgia of this movie that like, cause it's the eighties. Right. And like thinking back about being this like naive liberal, cause like, that's how, I don't know. I feel like I've heard, like, I've heard boomers say for like my whole life, like, yeah, everybody's naive. Everybody believes in, you know, social justice when they're young, but then they grow up and become evil, ruthless capitalists. And then like, <laughs> no, that was just you. <laughs> that was just, yeah. That's just what you did from the 60s to the 80s like but like that it feels very much like it has that like this is when we believe things could be good and then the movie ends yeah but the implication is kind of like no and then nothing is good yeah unless this this is an alternate universe where she actually did fix everything by being very sexy through the power of dance (laughs) yeah no it's which like it 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 doesn't hold up Yeah. yeah And I was thinking, like, what hell could, like, could things have gone, like, what else could happen for them? I don't know. Maybe they work it out. Maybe he, he really Peace Corps with her. Yeah! Honestly, you know, he could. He might. I think he loves her enough to do it, you know? After being very gruff and angry, he taught her to dance and well, she taught him to her. be in the Peace Corps, you he, know? This is the first time, this is the first time one of these rich girls has, like, actually cared about him. And he thought all those other ones cared, but then they just, they just wanted his, like, you know, sweet, like, greaser dick. Yep. His hair in this movie. Oh my god, The DT, is- like, oh, it's so good. I wanted that hair so bad. When I was, like, a teenager, I really wanted to do the DT and I couldn't ever figure it out. I mean, let's be real. Both of our leads here are very, very attractive. And that's part of the appeal of the movie. And it's okay for us to admit that they're really hot. And they look really good. And, uh, it's okay. It's okay. I do want to, um, I do want to read a couple of the best lines here. <clears throat> or, uh, let's see. On the West Porch. Wait, this was, I believe this was a Wayne Knight on the PA uh, joint here. Uh, on the West Porch, we have a symposium by Rabbi Maurice Sherman on the psychology of insult comedians. So there's all these, like, activities that are happening. There's, like, swimming things. There's sports things. There's dancing things. There's, like, craft things. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I am. <laughs> I would love to go to a place where I learn a bunch of entry-level classes on a bunch of shit all day long. That sounds like a great time to me. I guess I grew up in the wrong era, but um, yeah, it's a good line. Uh, and then, of course, we have the famous line with Robbie the Creep. I think you'll enjoy it, but return it. I have notes in the margin. <laughs> that is, I of screamed. Course, I, I, the, I it's, it's the good. I, I like. I all. Oh. Oh, I like. I had to actually put my hand over my mouth when that happened to keep myself from screaming. 
It's it's a real ass. Per- That's maybe the most real ass person anybody is in this whole movie. Uh, is Robbie the Creep with his fucking Fountainhead book? Um, it's just incredible. Let's let's move on to blurbs. Uh, of course, if you have a blurb for an upcoming movie, you can tell us about it in the Fanbyte Discord in the podcast questions room. If you don't, if you're not in our Discord, that's okay. Go to fanbyte.casa and you get all uh, hooked up. And we we encourage people to send in their blurbs uh, about these movies. Now, we have a few here. I'm going to pick a few. Uh, and then I would, I would love for other people to maybe read a few of them. But uh, Polly and Kale in the New York so Times. So Polly and Kale was in our Discord or... Yes, she was. So, yeah, she um, she uh, was in our Discord. You know, she gave up the New York Times in the eighties for our Discord. Um, should we say it's like of the time that, like, back in nineteen eighty seven, in the fanbyte Discord? Well, New okay, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we need to maintain this like this fiction. Like, we have these are quotes from these are real, reviewers. these are actual blurbs. Uh, people are, but are we do, we do actually have some from the Discord if we want to do those. Those those would be lovely too. This is just to like whet your appetite for them. These are some real, uh, real ones from the eighties. I believe most of these are from the eighties. So Pauline Kale says, "Start smart and ends dumb." That's me. <laughs> That's also a blurb for <laughs> my existence. So I love it. <laughs> I will take it. I will put it on my uh, tombstone. Uh, this this beautiful. It's truly beautiful. Uh, Sheila Benson from the LA Times, also in August of 1997, said, Smart and funny, touching and unabashedly sensual. The sweet sleeper of a hot season. I'm with you, Sheila. I have Sheila energy about this movie. (laughs) I feel like I am very, I'm I'm on an island today and I don't mind it. I have (laughs) Sheila energy. Thank you, Sheila. I mean, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I I like this. I like this movie a lot. I'm not going to lie. Um, all right. We've got Rita Kempley from the Washington Post, also in August of 1987. It's a wonderfully corny story performed exuberantly by Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze. When these two get together, you practically have to get out the fire extinguishers. <laughs> oh, hard to ah. from LB, I'm assuming. <laughs> I mean, I just like I have such like respect. I have such respect for these reviewers for just like bearing their souls this way, unless they're being disingenuous <laughs> in which case the uh, the opposite of respect and i've yeah. no fernanda i have such respect for you for like being able to enjoy something this sincerely because the other <laughs> thing is like i took myself way too seriously at the age like my most of my life to be able to enjoy this movie in like a straightforward way i'll, I'll take it which I'll- is a personal failing oh <laughs> on my we part. do have a yeah go ahead oh no i was done um, I wanted to read a couple here that LB put in to our chat from our real Discord. So this, these are actual uh, Discord blurbs. <clears throat> this one comes from Bivol from Discord. My mom said Swayze's mom is a professional dance instructor, so he did a fine job. But Jennifer Grey is the real star of the movie. Thank you, Bivol's mom. Thank you, Bivol's mom. <laughs> uh, and Jungle Travis from Discord said, Dirty Dancing soundtrack is one of the most iconic of all time. Okay, yes. Thank you, Jungle Travis. Thank you. For the that. interesting, like, I'm just going to include this one last bit of information that no one asked for, but the interesting thing is that when they were looking <laughs> for candidates to be, you know, Johnny Castle, Patrick Swayze's, like, thing, I don't know, resume, I don't know how it works for actors, words are hard, uh, it said, no dancing. 
because <laughs> that's right. His knee, his was, knee fucked was fucked, up. and he didn't want to be the dance guy anymore. Uh, but yes, his mom is a, was a professional dance instructor, and they found out about it, and they found out he could actually dance and be like the wind. Um, that was actually his song. She's like the wind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like a number. It was like a top ten song at the time, I believe. So like, it really did quite well. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt charts. our. our t- I just I have all this Patrick Swayze trivia now in my brain, and I feel like I need an outlet for it. We it's what honestly, a better outlet than Swayze welcome. Month? <laughs> exactly. This is the perfect place for it. So this is good. Uh, I'll read a couple more here. Uh, Dave Kerr at the Chicago Tribune, also at the time in August of 1987. A shapely film, considered and concise. And if its rhetorical slickness eventually covers up its emotional core, that slickness has a pleasure all its own. Ooh, intellectual Dave. I, all yeah, the big let's words. Look at it. I have no idea what you just said, Dave, but it sounds sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it really does. It really does. Uh Julie Salomon of the Wall Street Journal, um, in September 1987 said a warm hearted picture with some hot dancing some b-movie class consciousness (laughs) lots of nostalgia and lots of cliches julie i think i'm i think i'm with julie it's like i can see i can see the the problems but i also genuinely enjoy Mm -hmm. the hot dancing yeah you know like i i enjoy the hot dancing i'm not gonna lie it's fun can i include a blurb that isn't a blurb it's a user review on imdb i'm just gonna read the title because it's a giant review but uh the it. title is I'm a straight male male is in all caps and I love this film exclamation mark this film oozes with energy exclamation mark and the E in energy is capitalized amazing Good blur for you. by Good DJ for you. DJ Lee Manchester uh, on IMDb great job absolutely oh, incredible actually, I think yeah, I did please. think of a final segment before we go oh please please lb let's do it okay so you're it's at the end of your coming of age sexy summer <laughs> what song do you do your big dance to oh man holy shit it's so difficult it's a sexy dance with the sexy man just to it's a dance of tri- it's a dance of triumph of your own personal vibe okay okay hmm. and of should what be, your what your journey is it Should doesn't be, matter. Like, it can be anything. It can be anything. Wow. Because you're making you're making it in the future. So it can be any song. Right. So if you're making the movie now about your teenage self, the summer I was 17, that kind of thing. All right. Or, oh. you know, a made up version of yourself and a made up sexy summer. <laughs> oh, my oh. God. Paul. Oh. Paul. Paul, oh. Paul, you read my mind, Paul. Amazing. I got nothing to stand up to that. That's oh, Paul. Wow. Okay. So well, we, Paul, Paul answered for everyone. And for all people, but almost, but especially for Paul, because this is Paul, but Gasolina by Daddy Yankee is the correct answer. (laughs) Oh my God. I don't think I can top. That is the best. No one can top that. That's the best. Honestly though, honestly though, like based on our ages, like that's a, there's a very good chance. I feel. (laughs) That's really good. That's really, 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 really good. The first time I set off a firework. Was to gasolina? Yes. <laughs> oh wow, that's amazing. Well, I'm not topping that. I'm not topping that. That's be- at there's all. no way so. we as a yeah, yeah that we got to stop there. We as a people cannot top that. 
That was a very good suggestion. I will keep like thinking about that in my life, but honestly, we're going with that. We're yeah. all that let us know, listeners, what your what your answers are. <laughs> See if you can top exactly. Gasolina. Yeah, like let's just never say like that pony song that Channing Tatum pony danced by to. Genuine. Yeah, that's like, a that's oh, good. That's, that's a, a great song. Call. What about um? What about Every Time We Touch by Cascada? Oh, amazing! Oh. Wow, such a that's good call. Also, Period appropriate. We've, we've got some good. Uh, ones like a boy by Sierra, or is that just finally me, by by CNC Dance Factory? That's a little before m- me. I would say that's I mean, good though. But it's it's really it's, bef- it's before I was seventeen. I will I will say that. But it also is like a good. It's a good one for this vibe. It is. It's a good one for this vibe. I, w- I agree. It's not as good as Gasolina, but it's good for this vibe. Yeah. Any, any like any truly honest answer for me is going to be like the arcade fire. Um, oh, you're like so cool. It's unfair. I need to be. No, like, that's not cool. That's so cool. They're, like they I, undid they at 31. I still can't appreciate the arcade fire. Like I just didn't have that depth as a teenager. It's there's <laughs> fake depth. It's fake depth. That's not real. <laughs> it's just acting profound because you have an, an accordion. It's like not real depth. I could pretend to like like Belle and Sebastian, and that was it. Like that was my limit. Also, fake death. Yeah, yeah. I've seen them four, four or five times in concert. Okay. Oh my god, Elvis! <laughs> 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 a conversation the, about okay, singing in the car. <laughs> once I had to be. Uh, once I had to have an intervention while I was driving on a road trip because I played the entire Smiths discography and then the entire Bell and Sebastian discography. Oh my and my God. partner said, "Please play something that isn't passive aggressive." <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Holy! I listen well. to male manipulator music only. So yeah, the non male manipulator answer. My non male manipulator answer is Gasolina, but my true answer is all male manipulator music. Anyways, oh God, wow! Um, I just went on a journey, like that road trip that you went on. I was there. I was just there. Yeah, Paul is saying we learned a lot about each other today. I think that's true, and I guess I'm going to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it there. I'm gonna say nobody can, nobody can top any of these things, nor can anybody put baby in a corner, which apparently Patrick Swayze hated the line. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any context. Any it makes sense no sense. At all. It doesn't make any sense at all. It it really is just such a nonsense line. I love that he hated it and still had to say it because there's some part of me that just loves that that happened in the it's world. It's also a title um, of a Fallout Boy song because that would also be oh my, my teenager thing. Sorry, it makes more sense in the context of Fallout Boy than it does of the movie. I think. I mean, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Um, it's, yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the summer of 2001 a little too hard here. So I'm going to, I'm going to just say y'all should get ready for next week because we are taking the Swayze month to a very, very beautiful place. We are going to be watching Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, a 1995 actually a sort of a road trip movie, a kind of a buddy road trip comedy uh, that features, of course, um, Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes, and John Leguizamo as uh, a pair, not a pair, as a trio of drag performers uh, going across the country. Pretty fucking awesome. Pretty good stuff. I'm looking forward to it. I've never seen it, and I'm excited to watch it. So that's next week. If you'd like to watch along, 
uh, please do watch Tu Wong Fu with us. Uh, and of course, you are always encouraged to participate. Again, if you have a blurb or like a magical film festival award that you want to give to a movie, you can go ahead and tell us in the podcast questions channel of our Discord. And just note that it is for you love to see it. So thank you all so, so, so much. That's what we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed your cinematic journey with us and also our sort of um, teenage years journey with us. Please do uh, rate and review our podcast if you have a moment. Tell a friend. That is the main way that we actually can grow as a little organic podcast network. So if you want to tell your friends, tell anybody who likes movies, tell anybody who likes Patrick Swayze, uh, go ahead and tell them because it really does help us. You can listen to all of our shows at fanbyte.com slash podcasts or podcastnet.work. Follow us on Twitter at Fanbyte Media, Instagram and TikTok at Fanbyte, and of course on fanbyte.com. And you can watch all of our great streams on twitch.tv slash fanbyte. Thank you so much to Paul Tamayo, that is Paul Pachanga Tamayo, for producing our show today. Also, Paul, for your excellent remarks and for uh, putting together some of these really wonderful blurbs. Really, really do appreciate that. Thank you so much. And Paul is Polymayo on Twitter. Uh, Fernanda, who are you on the social media? Oh, that's a deep question, but I will answer it with <laughs> a simple handle. Nanda Prates, P-R-A-T-E-S underscore on Twitter. And also listen to my MMA podcast, Best Camp of My Life, which I think is pretty cool, even though I'm a little biased, but check it out. Well, I'm biased too, but I also think it's fantastic. And, and Merritt, how about you? Yeah, uh, I'm Merritt Kay on Twitter and on Twitch. Excellent. LB, how about you? I'm Hunk Cheers everywhere. Excellent. I am at Danielle R.I. on Twitter. And again, watch Tu Wong Fu with us. Until next time, you love to see it. Ooh.